0: Chapter Two Part One of Nana by Emile Zola, translated by Burton Rascoe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two Part One The next morning at ten o'clock, Nana was still sleeping. She occupied in the Boulevard houseman the second story of a large new house, the owner of which was content to let to single ladies in order to get his plaster dried. A rich merchant from Moscow, who had come to spend a winter in Paris, had installed her there paying two quarters rent in advance the rooms too large for her had never been completely furnished and a gaudy luxury gilded chairs and sideboards contrasted with the rubbish of second-hand dealers mahogany tables and zinc candelabra imitating florentine bronze everything betokened the damsel abandoned too quickly by her first genuine protector and fallen back into the clutches of unscrupulous lovers a most difficult debut miscarried and trammelled with a loss of credit and threats of eviction nana was sleeping lying on her stomach her bare arms entwining the pillow in which she buried her face all pale with fatigue the bedroom and dressing-room were the only two rooms to which a neighbouring upholsterer had really given his attention by the aid of the faint streak of light gleaming between the curtains one could distinguish the violet ebony furniture the blue and grey hangings and chair coverings In the warm, drowsy atmosphere of this bedchamber, Nana suddenly awoke with a start, as though surprised to find the place beside her vacant. She looked at the other pillow placed next to her own, and which still showed the warm impression of a head in the midst of its frilling. Then, feeling with her hand, she pressed the knob of an electric bell placed at the head of her bed. "'Has he gone, then?' she asked of the maid who appeared. "'Yes, madame. Monsieur Paul left about ten minutes ago.' as madame was tired he would not wake her but he requested me to tell madame that he would come to-morrow whilst speaking zoe the maid had thrown open the shutters the bright daylight inundated the room zoe was very dark and wore a little frilled cap her face long and pointed like a dog's was livid and scarred with a flat nose thick lips and restless black eyes to-morrow to-morrow repeated nana still only half awake is tomorrow his day then yes madame monsieur paul always comes on wednesdays ah now i recollect exclaimed the young woman sitting up in bed everything is altered i meant to tell him so this morning he would meet the blackamoor and then there would be no end of a row madame did not warn me how was i to know murmured zoe next time madame alters her days she will do well to tell me so that i may act accordingly so the old miser will no longer come on tuesdays it was thus between themselves and without a smile that they termed old miser and blackamoor the two paying gentlemen of the establishment a tradesman of the faubourg st denis of a rather economical temperament and a Wallachian, a pretended count whose money always long in coming had a most singular odour had secured for himself the morrows of the old miser as the tradesman had to be at his shop by eight in the morning the young man watched in zoe's kitchen until he took his departure and then jumped into the warm place he had just vacated where he remained until ten o'clock when he also went off to his business nana and he thought this arrangement very convenient never mind said she i will write to him this afternoon and if by chance he doesn't receive my letter you must not let him in when he calls to-morrow zoe walked softly about the room she talked of the great success of the previous evening madame had shown such talent she sang so well ah madame need not bother herself now about the future nana her elbow buried in the pillow only answered by nodding her head her chemise had slipped from her shoulders over which fell her unkept hair no doubt she murmured musingly but how can we manage to wait i shall have all sorts of annoyances to-day by the way has the landlord sent yet this morning then they both began to discuss ways and means there were three-quarters rent owing and the landlord threatened to put in an execution besides him there was a host of other creditors a jobmaster a linen draper a dressmaker a coal merchant and several others who came every day and installed themselves on a bench in the ante room. The coal merchant especially made himself most obnoxious. He shouted on the stairs. But Nana's greatest worry was her little Louis, a child she had had when only sixteen and whom she had placed out to nurse in a village near Rambouillet. The nurse demanded three hundred francs owing to her before she would give up Louis. Nana's maternal love had been aroused ever since her last visit to the child and she was in despair at not being able to realize what had now become her most ardent wish, which was to pay the nurse and place the child at Batignolles with her aunt Madame Lerat, so that she could see him whenever she wished. The maid at this point hinted that she ought to have confided her troubles to the old miser. I know, exclaimed Nana, and I did tell him everything, but he replied that he had some very heavy bills to meet. He won't part with more than his thousand francs a month, as for the blackamoor he's quite stumped just now i think he's been losing at cards and poor Mimi is really in want of money himself a fall in stocks has cleared him out completely he can't even bring me any flowers now she was speaking of Dagonet. on awaking in the morning she always felt in a confidential mood and told zoe everything the maid accustomed to such outpourings listened with respectful sympathy as madame deigned to talk to her of her affairs she would take the liberty of giving her opinion first of all though she could not help saying that she loved madame very much it was for that reason that she had left madame blanche and god knew that madame blanche was doing all she could to get her to return to her she was well known and would never have any difficulty in obtaining a situation but she would remain with madame even though things were not very brilliant because she believed madame had a great future before her and she ended by giving her advice. When one was young, one did very foolish things. Now it was necessary to be very careful, for men only thought of amusing themselves. And there would be no end of them. If madame liked, she would only have a word to say to quiet her creditors and procure the money she was in want of. All that does not give me three hundred francs, Nana kept repeating as she passed her fingers through her hair. I want three hundred francs to day, at once. How stupid it is not knowing someone who would give me three hundred francs! And she tried to think of some means of obtaining the money. She was expecting Madame Lerat that very morning, and she would have liked so much to have sent her off at once to Rambouillet. Her inability to gratify her whim quite spoiled her triumph of the preceding night. To think that among all those men who had greeted her with such applause there was not one who would bring her fifteen louis, besides she could not accept money in that way oh how miserable she was and then she thought of her baby his blue eyes were like an angel's he could just lisp mamma in such a funny tone of voice that it almost made her die with laughing just then the electric bell of the outer door sounded with its rapid and trembling vibration after going to see who was there zoe returned and whispered confidentially it is a woman she had already seen this woman at least twenty times only she pretended never to recognize her and to ignore the nature of her dealings with ladies down in their luck she told me her name madame old tricon exclaimed nana why i forgot all about her i will see her zoe ushered in a tall old lady wearing long curls and looking like a countess frequently visiting her solicitor then she retired, disappeared without noise, with the snake like movement with which she left a room when a gentleman called. She might just as well, however, have remained where she was. Old Madame Tricot did not even sit down. She only uttered a few short words. I have somebody for you today. Are you willing? Yes. How much? twenty Louis. And at what time? At three o'clock. Then that's settled. Yes, that's settled madame tricon immediately began to talk of the weather it was very dry and good for walking she had still to call on four or five persons and off she went after consulting a little notebook nana left alone felt a weight lifted off her mind a slight shiver passed across her back she slowly drew the warm clothes over her with the indolence of a chilly cat little by little her eyes closed she smiled at the idea of prettily dressing little louis on the morrow then in the sleep which at length overtook her her feverish dream of the night a prolonged thunder of applause returned like a thorough bass and lulled her weariness at twelve o'clock when zoe showed madame lerat into the room nana was still sleeping but the noise awoke her and she at once said ah it's you you will go to rambouillet to-day i came for that replied the aunt there is a train at twenty past twelve i have time to catch it no i shall only have the money this afternoon said the young woman stretching herself her breasts rising as she did so you will have some lunch and then we will see zoe whispered as she brought her a dressing-gown madame the hairdresser is there but nana would not retire into her dressing-room she called out come in Francis a gentleman very stylishly dressed pushed open the door he bowed just at that moment nana was getting out of bed her legs quite bare without hurrying herself she held out her arms so that zoe could pass the sleeves of the dressing-gown on to them and francis quite at his ease waited in a dignified manner and without looking away then when she had seated herself and he had passed the comb through her hair he spoke madame has perhaps not yet read the papers there is a very good article in the figaro as he had the paper with him madame lerat put on her spectacles and read the article out loud standing in front of the window she drew up to her full trooper-like stature her nostrils contracted each time she came to an adjective exceptionally gallant it was a notice of faucheries written directly after leaving the theatre two very warm columns full of witty but unkind remarks so far as regarded the actress and of a brutish admiration for the woman excellent excellent kept repeating francis nana didn't care a button for the chaff about her voice he was a nice fellow that faucherie all the same she'd pay him out for his pleasant little ways after reading the article a second time madame lerat abruptly declared that all the men had the devil in the calves of their legs and she refused to explain further satisfied with having made this racy allusion which she alone was able to understand meanwhile francis had finished fastening up nana's hair he bowed and said i shall have my eye on the evening papers the same time as usual i suppose at half-past five bring me a pot of pomatum and a pound of burnt almonds from boissiers nana called after him across the drawing-room just as he was shutting the door then the two women left alone remembered that they had not kissed each other so they cordially embraced one another on the cheek the article had rather excited them nana until then only half awake again felt all the fever of her triumph ah rose mignon must have spent a very pleasant morning as her aunt had not been to the theatre because as she said all emotion upset her stomach she began to relate the events of the evening the recital intoxicating her as though paris itself had crumbled beneath the applause then suddenly interrupting herself she asked with a laugh if anyone would ever have expected as much in the days when she dragged her blackguard little person about the rue de la goutte d'or madame lerat shook her head no 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 one could ever have foreseen it she spoke in her turn in a grave tone of voice and calling her her daughter for wasn't she her second mother now that the real one had gone to join the papa and the grandma nana greatly affected was on the point of shedding tears But Madame Lerat said that bygones were bygones, and very filthy bygones too, things that should not be touched upon every day in the week. For a long while she had given up seeing her niece, for the other members of the family accused her of going to the bad in her company. As if, great heavens, such a thing were possible. She did not want to know her niece's secrets. She was sure that the latter had always led a respectable life, and now she was satisfied with finding her in a good position and seeing that she entertained a motherly feeling for her son in this world after all there was nothing to beat honesty and work who is the father of your baby she asked suddenly interrupting her sermon her eyes lighted up with intense curiosity nana surprised hesitated for a second a gentleman she replied ah resumed the aunt i was told it was a mason who used to beat you well you can tell me all about it some other day you know that i can be trusted be easy i will take as great care of him as though he was the son of a prince she had given up her artificial flower-making business and retired on her savings six hundred francs a year hoarded up sou by sou nana promised to take some nice rooms for her besides which she would allow her one hundred francs a month when she heard this the aunt quite forgot herself in her delight and impressed upon her niece that she should squeeze them whilst she had the chance she was alluding to the men then they kissed each other again but nana in the midst of her joy and just as she had once more begun to talk of little louis seemed to get sad at some sudden recollection what a nuisance it is i have to go out at three o'clock she murmured it's an awful bore at that moment zoe came to say that the lunch was ready they went into the dining-room where they found an elderly lady already seated at the table she had not taken her bonnet off and was dressed in a dark gown of no precise colour but something between pews and goose droppings nana did not seem surprised at seeing her there she merely asked her why she had not gone into the bedroom i heard voices answered the old lady i thought you were engaged madame malois who had a respectable appearance and distinguished ways acted as nana's old lady friend she entertained her and accompanied her about at first madame lerat's presence seemed to make her uneasy but when she learned that the stranger was only the aunt she looked at her in quite a pleasant sort of way and smiled faintly however nana who said her stomach had gone right down into her heels started on some radishes which she devoured without any bread madame lerat becoming very ceremonious declined the radishes saying they produced wind then when zoe brought in some cutlets nana played with the meat and ended by merely sucking the bone now and again she cast a glance in the direction of her old friend's bonnet is that the new bonnet i gave you she eventually asked yes i have altered it to suit me murmured madame mallois with her mouth full the bonnet looked frightful with the big feather she had stuck in it madame manois had a mania for remaking up all her bonnets she alone knew what suited her and in a minute she would utterly spoil the most elegant article nana who had bought her the bonnet so as not to feel ashamed every time she went out with her began to get angry well you might at least take it off she cried no thank you the old lady replied most politely it does not trouble me i can eat very well with it on after the cutlets came some cauliflower and the remains of a cold chicken but nana turned up her nose at each dish put upon the table and left her food untouched in her plate after smelling everything and hesitating what to take she finished her lunch with some jam the dessert lasted some time and zoe did not remove the cloth before serving the coffee the ladies merely pushed away their plates they talked of the great success achieved at the theatre the previous evening nana was making cigarettes which she smoked as she leant back in her chair and zoe having remained in the room standing up against the sideboard swinging her arms about at length began relating the story of her life she said that she was the daughter of a midwife who had got into trouble first of all she obtained a situation at a dentist's then with an agent for an insurance company but she did not like it and then she mentioned with a touch of pride in her voice the names of the different ladies with whom she had lived as a lady's-maid Zoe spoke of these ladies as though they owed her everything, for certain more than one of them would have got into a nice mess had it not been for her. For instance, one day that Madame Blanche was with Monsieur Octave, the old gentleman unexpectedly arrived. What did Zoe do? She pretended to fall down as she passed through the drawing-room. The old gentleman hastened to help her, and then rushed off to the kitchen to get her a glass of water, while Monsieur Octave got clear away ah that was capital exclaimed nana who had listened with a tender interest and a sort of obsequious admiration as for me i have met with many misfortunes commenced madame and drawing her chair close to madame maloir she related to her various incidents of her private life they were both sucking lumps of sugar which they had previously dipped in their coffee but madame maloir listened to the secrets of others without ever letting out a word about herself it was said that she lived on a mysterious pension in a room into which she never allowed anyone to enter all of a sudden nana flew into a passion aunt she cried don't play with the knives you know that it always upsets me without thinking of what she was doing madame lerat had crossed two of the knives on the table all the same the young woman pretended she was not superstitious for instance spilling salt never affected her neither did anything happening on a friday but cross-knives was more than she could stand they had never misled her for certain something disagreeable would happen to her she yawned and in a tone of vexation said already two o'clock i shall have to go out what a nuisance the two old women exchanged a glance then all three shook their heads without speaking true it was not always amusing to have to go out nana was again leaning back in her chair and smoking another cigarette whilst the others discreetly kept their lips tight and put on their most philosophical looks while you are gone we will have a game at bezique said madame maloir after a short silence does madame know the game of course madame lerat did and played it better than any one it was not necessary to disturb zoe who had left the room a corner of the table was all they wanted so they turned the cloth up over the dirty plates but just as madame Maloire had got the cards out of a drawer of the sideboard nana said she would be very good if before commencing the game she would write a letter for her it bothered her to write and besides she was not very sure of her spelling whilst her old friend wrote letters so well she ran and fetched from her bedroom some beautiful note paper. a common three sous ink bottle was lying about with a rusty old pen the letter was for dagonet madame Maloire commenced in her beautiful round hand my darling little man and then she proceeded to tell him not to come on the morrow because it could not be but far or near every moment in the day she was thinking of him and i will end it with a thousand kisses murmured madame maloir madame lerat had approved each phrase with a nod of her head her eyes sparkled she had a weakness for being mixed up in love affairs she could not resist adding something of her own a thousand kisses on your beautiful eyes she cooed with a tender look yes that's it a thousand kisses on your beautiful eyes repeated nana whilst a sanctimonious expression overspread the features of the two old women they rang for zoe for her to give the letter to a commissionaire she was just then talking with a messenger from the theatre who had brought madame a communication from the stage manager which should have been sent to her in the morning Nana had the man in and asked him to leave the letter at Dagonet's on his way back. Then she began to question him. Oh, M. Bordenave was very pleased. All the seats were booked for a week at least. Madame had no idea of the number of persons who had inquired for her address since the morning. When the messenger had left, Nana said that she would not be away more than half an hour at the most. If any visitors called, Zoe was to ask them to wait. As she spoke, the electric bell of the outer door sounded it was one of the creditors the jobmaster he had taken a seat on the bench of the ante-room oh he might wait and twirl his thumbs until night-time they were not going to disturb themselves for him i must pull myself together said nana lazily again stretching herself and yawning i ought to be there by now all the same she did not move she watched the game in which her aunt had just scored a hundred aces her chin in her hand she was becoming interested but she suddenly started on hearing three o'clock strike. Damn it! she roughly exclaimed. Then Madame Maloire, who was counting the tens, said to her in a gentle encouraging voice, My child, you would do better to get your business over at once. Yes, be quick over it, added Madame Lerat as she shuffled the cards. I shall be able to leave by the half-past four train if you are here with the money by four o'clock. Oh, it won't take long, she muttered in reply in ten minutes zoe had helped her to put on a dress and bonnet she didn't care if she looked untidy just as she was about to go off there was another ring at the bell this time it was the coal merchant well he could keep the jobmaster company they might entertain each other to avoid a row however she passed through the kitchen and went out by the servants staircase she often went that way all she had to do was to keep her skirts from touching the ground when one is a good mother the rest is of no consequence sententiously observed madame maloir not left alone with madame lerat i mark eighty kings replied the latter who had a great weakness for cards and they both became more and more wrapped up in the game the table had not been cleared a mixed odour pervaded the room the fumes of the lunch and the smoke of the cigarettes the two ladies returned to their lumps of sugar soaked in coffee for twenty minutes they played as they sipped when the bell having rung a third time zoe bounced into the room and jostled them in a most familiar manner i say she exclaimed there's another ring you won't be able to remain in here if many more people are coming i shall want every room in the place now then up you get up you get madame maloir wanted to finish the game But Zoe having made a feint of gathering up the cards, she decided to remove them carefully without disturbing anything, whilst madame Lerat secured the brandy-bottle, some glasses, and the sugar, and they both hastened into the kitchen, where they placed their things on an end of the table between some dirty cloths that were drawing in a large bowl full of greasy water. Chapter two part one.